0: Okay, welcome back. Um, today is Wednesday, August 26th, and we're continuing and concluding the reading of um, Sabhya Sutta um, from Sutta Nipata, Chapter 3, Mahavagga Sutta 6. Sabhya Sutta. Uh, Thanissaro's initial write up is a sutta dating from early in the Buddha's teaching career. A wanderer disappointed in the teachings he's received from other teachers approaches the Buddha with his questions and f- we've been going through these questions there are four five sets of four 20 total uh, we finished 16 of them this week we'll finish the last four and then the wrap-up a couple of other interesting things uh, to bring in like last time the uh, term uh, ta-ta-ta, meaning suchness or such, which we see nine times repeated by Gautama or nine out of the 20 answers have uh, concluded with the word such. And I'm not quite sure exactly why those particular answers, which are uh, Gautama's explanation for the true nature of the person who's made final attainment asked by Sabia, uh, what is the nature of a certain person uh, associated with these terms associated with final attainment? Uh, nine out of the 20 answers, Gautama ends with the word ta-ta-ta or such. Uh, when the, the back story here which I read a few times from the first paragraph of Tanasaro's translation of the Sutta, is that uh, Gautama is staying near Rajagaha in the bamboo forest, the squirrel's sanctuary. Quote, now on that occasion, questions had been assigned assigned to Savya the Wanderer by a Devata, meaning a non-physical entity, who was a former relative of his. So his deceased past over relative inspiring him from presumably uh, upper astral plane uh, encourages him with a certain thought and said Sabia if any contemplative or Brahmin when asked these questions answers them live the holy life in his presence so here are some questions you should ask a Brahmin or contemplative and the one who can answer them to your satisfaction you ought to follow and uh, go forth to complete um, you know, liberation to the end of the path uh, in the presence of that one who can answer and so what happened was Sabi the Wanderer having learned those questions these questions in the presence of that Devata went to those who had communities and groups who were teachers of groups well known, prestigious, founders of sects well regarded by people at large and so there was a, a bunch of teachers he went to Some of them seem to be some of the same that Gautama went to the four or five initially that he learned higher states from, but then departed, finding that um, final extinction of illusion or ignorance wasn't achieved. So we asked them, uh, a group of these elder teachers, and the final line of the paragraph, final lines, but they, being asked the questions by Sabia the Wanderer, were unable to answer, unable to answer, they showed anger, aversion, and displeasure, and even turned the questions back on Sabia the Wanderer. And so, uh, <laughs> like I said, sometimes if you ask a sincere question to someone and they rebuff you for the asking, uh, it's an indication that the person um, doesn't have an answer. Uh, not always, but commonly. And uh, last time, we. Uh, went through uh, a second set of eight questions, actually, and answers. And the final was uh, Gautama defining what is a sage. Uh, I think I'll just move, I'll just go through this, uh, and we'll go through the next, the final set of four questions and answers. And it goes on from the middle of the page. Then Sabia the Wanderer, delighting in and approving of the Blessed One's words, gratified, joyful, exultant, enraptured and happy, asked the Blessed One a further question. And so now we have a question with four parts again, the final one. He asked, having attained to what is one said to be an attainer of knowledge? Oops, nope, we did that already. So then he was, so these last, the, the, the last four of last week, defining what's an attainer of knowledge, one who's persistent, uh, well-tested, and a thoroughbred. And three out of the four were answered with the word such. And what I want to say about this is such as defined uh, from the... Uh, as. Uh, as a as a translation of the word tata or tata um, is the basis of Gautama's self-appellation called tathagata, and on the Wikipedia page it, it's nothing that complicated, but it helps explain um, the nature of the radical freedom achieved by the one who's an attainer of knowledge or one who's Finish the path, which is the, the, the target of Sabhiya's questions. And so we have from the Wikipedia page the idea that it can be broken down as Tata, Tata, Agata, Tata, Agata, or Tata, or tata, tata, Gata. And in Sanskrit and Pali, Tata, Tata means thus and it said in Buddhist thought takes this to refer to what's called reality as it is. yata Bhutta, yata Bhutta. And uh, this reality is also referred to as thusness or suchness, ta-ta-ta, indicating simply that reality is what it is. And so the Tathagata is the one who sees and knows reality as it is, the one who is This one here, like Netanyahu said, um, you can say come or go, the the thus come one, the thus gone one, the one who's gone to suchness, the one who's arrived at suchness, uh, the one who is such, and that's weird, because what is such? And I looked to get some sense of the Western philosophical correlates historically, and what I found was Aristotle who was a smart fellow and um, yet I think was a little rigid in um, not incorporating (laughs) some of his Indian forebears. And there is a term, in Western philosophical tradition, there is the term called essence. What is essence? Uh, Because we're talking about appearance and reality or the physical and the unified physical metaphysical. Uh, Things are not as they appear, meaning not only appearance, uh, essence is more than, or totality of innate, the true nature is more than appearance. Things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise, the Buddha is saying. So appearance is a portion of true nature, and essence is uh, the blend of appearance and true nature, or essence is true nature. And true nature is, I'd say, the blend of physical and metaphysical appearance and totality, or true nature. Appearance is not outside true nature, but it's not the whole of true nature. And so, in the Wikipedia write up of the term essence, um, in philosophy, it says, essence is the property or set of properties that make an entity or substance what it fundamentally is, right? True nature. And which it has by necessity, and without which it loses its identity. And so we can very much say that identity uh, includes appearance. And when uh, form and appearance are gone, then identity is gone. Like Ra said, when they leave sixth density, they'll no longer experience memory and identity. That doesn't mean they are extinguished. It means that a differentiated identity is released. So there's true nature, which is the basis of any identification or any differentiated identity. And that's very much associated with appearance, although not limited to appearance. Um, And then you've got the interplay of the two terms, um, sunyata and tata, or tatata, meaning emptiness and suchness and we read on the page before, uh, in in uh, medical treatment, <laughs> metaphysical physician treatment for the uh, common maya, or ignorance that takes appearance as totality or true nature, we have the term emptiness. Um, I objects name and form. Name and form is empty. Naming... And the apparent substantiality of forms, body forms, thought forms. So nama, naming, being very much of thought and the process by which thought forms are made. And rupa, form, thought and form, there is thought form, there is physical form. <coughs> All those forms of thought and uh, apparent material object uh, are appearance, are apparent. <coughs> uh, that appearance is not the whole of its true nature. But true nature is not exclusive or doesn't reject the appearance too. And so without its appearance, um, we, we move to non-differentiation. There are certainly physical material appearance, and then there's the energetic energy, non-physical energy fields. But even beyond that, we have um, intention and um, significance Uh, the mind level you know god as or the logos as the one that thought creation into being before there was light there was the word or the word let there be light the logos making light uh, came from an original desire or the desire that there be light so likewise you've got the mental level or the intentional level and then the energy fields that uh, generate manifest appearance. You can say three levels there. Very much like spirit, mind, body. (coughs) And so essence um, is very much associated with identity, but identity is transitory in the way of conceptual identity. (laughs) So only people who love philosophy will, will stay here. going on here this is actually said uh, essence is contrasted with accident a property that the entity or substance has contingently without which the substance can still retain its identity or an identity and so uh, essence is very much true nature of uh, what makes an object uh, or a a dharma what it is and the, the paragraph that I really wanted to read is the concept. Wrote, wrote here the concept originates rigorously with Aristotle, although it can be found in Plato, who used the Greek expression toti en toti en toti en ai. Ai. literally meaning the what it was to be or the what is. T. T. Esti. T. Esti literally means the what it is. <laughs> Suchness what it is, as it isness. No different than, than ta-ta-ta, I'd say, which is suchness. Corresponding to the scholastic term hei shiti for the same idea, then the Latin, this phrase presented such difficulties for us Latin translators, right, because they were too busy building roads, that they coined the word essentia, essence, to represent the whole expression. And so, you've got suchness, or essence, very similar, which includes appearance by which there's also differentiated identity. Uh, evolutionarily, or in terms of comprehension of reality, eventually one sees the impermanent or tra- the, the empty nature, the sunya of appearance and form. And then uh, this is a dis- de identificatory or a disidentification process. Meaning, like Ross said, their conceived identity ends in sixth density. So beyond unity, um, we drop identity. Oh, and there's a mosquito in the room. Uh-huh, everybody comes by here. So, I just thought that was important. And then we have the Greek word noumenon, where, and that's probably where Plato was coming from. So before Aristotle, or at least... Uh, Uh, working from a different lineage, perhaps, Uh, we have the Greek noumenon, different than phenomenon, where, in philosophy, from the Wikipedia, a noumenon is a posited object or event that exists independently of human sense and or perception. So, independently of human sense or perception, how can we say it is? (laughs) Well, it's posited. The term noumenon is generally used in contrast with or in relation to the term phenomenon, which refers to any object of the senses. The, the point is that true nature includes the noumena, the noumenous, and the phenomenus, or phenomena and noumena are, um, are, are two sides of the same. Ross saying the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. So, physical and the metaphysical being inseparable. Uh, means that noumenon and phenomenon are one. There's the outer phenomena and the inner noumenon. And we have a further right point. Uh, Immanuel Kant, Kantian, Kant first developed the notion of the noumenon as part of his transcendental idealism, suggesting that while we know the noumenal world to exist because human sensitiv- sensibility is merely receptive, it is not in itself sensible and must therefore remain otherwise unknowable to us so how do you posit the the, the knowing of an unknowable i don't know but the point is this last line in kantian philosophy the unknowable noumenon or his view that that one may not know the metaphysical which is not quite true one may not know or define infinity but the metaphysical can be known as surely as the physical my understanding, he said, or they said, the unknowable noumenon is often identified with or associated with the unknowable thing in itself, Dick, ding, ding on sick. ding on sick, when I spoke German, we used that term, ding on sick, thing in itself, however, the nature of the relationship between the two is not made explicit, and Kant's work remains a subject of debate among Kant scholars as a result, and that's all I want to say from that, but uh, the thing in itself, akin to essence, akin to true nature, akin to suchness as a term describing that what is, is as it is. Uh, it, it is what it is. And therefore, when we talk about Gautama as self-proclaiming himself, self-proclaiming as a Tathagata, and using the word such... Uh, we're saying that he's gone beyond uh, attachment to both appearance and essence and definition and duality. And we'll see that close to the end as we continue the sutta here. And then I will conclude back to the um, reference from 1898, Robert Chalmers' Journal of Royal Asiatic Society, Uh, Some final quotes from that page, which we looked into last time, which I think are quite um, special. So, it's um, actually the last four questions. Sabia the Wanderer asked the Blessed One a further question. Having attained what is one said to be learned? In what way is one noble? And how is one a person of good conduct? Why is one named a wanderer? Answer, blessed one, one I've asked you. So, definitions for the one who is learned, uh, noble, of good conduct, or and or a wanderer. The Buddha replies, having heard, having directly known every Dhamma for the sake of direct knowing in the world, whatever is blameworthy or blameless, having conquered, free of doubt, released everywhere, everywhere without trouble, one is said to be learned. And so, uh, the term, having known, directly known for the sake of direct knowing. Direct knowing is akin to the Greek word gnosis. It's um, perceived by buddhi, or discriminative awareness intelligence. Buddhi is critical. And buddhi is very much a fifth chakra. It's um, the capacity to see clearly uh, before conception, and what we'll see is you know aspects like the three marks are three characteristics: impermanence, insubstantiality and stressfulness. Um, it, it's a kind of a awakening, a moment of awakening, seeing what is or seeing suchness. Now and it's not a thing, it's actually a seeing beyond a seeing of objects. And so this is called direct knowing) <laughs> And it's really um, what leads to the four attainments um, in the Buddhist uh, path, from sotapanna to Arahan. And that's the learning. The learning is gnosis, not bookner book learning. Going on, having cut attachments and effluence or asravas, the karmic predispositions, knowing he does not come to lie in the womb, not reborn dispelling mud and the three types of perception, he goes to no theory. He's called noble. And so again, um, learned means gnosis, and uh, noble is associated with freedom from theory. Again, we're talking about free- radical freedom, body, mind, spirit, and at the mental level, freedom from uh, view freedom from attachment to view and uh, when we finish with Chalmers you'll see Gautama saying what is his view and his, the heart of his teaching and all that he rejects which is pretty much attachment to both affirmation and negation <laughs> like this is and it isn't there is a self, there is no self He's not, that's not what Buddhism is talking about, there is a self, there is no self uh, soul is eternal there is no soul, not either and so these are some interesting redefinitions of common terms, noble and learned, associated with um, freedom from reification, um, freedom from the, the habit of uh, concretizing view and mistaking view for reality. Because reality or essence or ding-ang-sik, and uh, uh, noumena is beyond um, definition or differentiation going on whoever here has attainment has attained attainment with regard to good conduct all skillful who has learned the dhamma unattached everywhere everywhere his mind released he has no irritation he's one of good conduct and so conduct is critical conduct is all associated with sila Right? The aspects of the noble, noble Eightfold Path, which is the path to nirvana or the end, associated with Śila, right? Śila, Samadhi, Prajna, associated with Śila, is very much of good conduct. Like we saw with the other Brahmin, Sundaraka, I believe, Gautama saying, don't ask me about birth, ask me about conduct. Conduct is very much about how we live, right? Particularly right speech, right action, right livelihood. Those are the three of the eightfold Noble Path associated with Śila, commonly uh and the purpose of that <laughs> is uh, number one to not make trouble and therefore not get trouble and not uh continually plant seeds that sprout harmfully and to clear the mind right the freedom from regret the purpose of uh, sila as freedom from regret, not to be stuck having guilt and shame, and you know um. What I see, <laughs> another level which I can't get into too much, is um number one, it seems to me that the vast majority of earth humanity being three D repeaters with three D repeater psychology, have low self esteem, have deep self doubt, don't trust themselves. Why don't why are they sheeple or sleepers or repeating or tricked by liars and harming themselves and harming other And not getting with the program and moving along the positive path of love and truth. Why? Well, I think part of it is that they don't believe in themselves. Like Lin Shi said, what ails you today, you don't believe in yourself. Why? Because they got a lot of guilt and shame. Why? Because they have done a lot of harm in past lives. Um, Everybody's done some. But uh, 3D repeaters or people who've been repeating third density um, are repeating third density because they're not establishing the basis for getting out. How are they not establishing the basis for getting out? Well, they're falling into wrong speech, wrong action generally. Wrong livelihood, wrong speech, wrong li- action. <clears throat> so not paying attention to conduct, not being of good conduct, um, falling into patterns that might be called wrong speech, wrong action, not helpful. Um, they end up with karmic residue, karmic overhang of self-blame. Self-criticism, low self-value, unworthiness complex, guilt and shame, self-hatred, self-loathing, self-destructive, feeling I deserve to be punished, I deserve to be hurt because I'm no good, not forgiving themselves, not even knowing that they need to forgive themselves. Very much this is associated, I think, with not paying attention or neglecting good conduct in past lives, therefore coming into this life with an overhang of self-blame and um, self-criticism, or guilt and shame, not paying attention to good conduct. And that's a big problem. And therefore, they let themselves be harmed further. And uh, of good conduct, (coughs) restraint, right restraint, and, you know, greater love and and well-being, um, one is without irritation. So, irritation, irritability, triggerability, as a basis of bad conduct. And, good conduct, eventually leading to freedom from irritation. Very interesting. Then, final question. Uh, Katama replies, avoiding whatever action there is that ripens in suffering and stress, above, below, and even all around in the middle, one who goes about comprehending. He has put an all-around end to deceptiveness, conceit, greed, anger, namarupa, name and form. He's called a wanderer, attained to attainment. He's attained attainment. You see, because the point is that there's nothing to attain, <laughs> but attainment. That's a very not not tautological and not not trying to be cute. There is no thing to attain, other than the attainment that is uh, formless or of such. And so, um, what does one attain? What one? What, what, what is the heart of gnosis such what is the the end of the path such What is the nature of the attainment such yeah, exactly, just like he said, and so it's an attain, attain to an attainment because he ain't attained to something now maybe the 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 one who leaves the octave has um uh, you know omnipotence, omniscience and omnipresence, yeah, okay, so unlimited free will. Uh, omnipotence, unlimited knowing, omniscience, unlimited, un, uh, unlimited form, manifestation, omnipresence. Okay. But that's also not a thing. It's the way reality is that at last the being can uh, join, can uh, become or realize has always been, to realize one has always been infinity. Something like that. <laughs> right? uh, the kingdom of heaven is within. (laughs) Oh, well, if the kingdom of heaven is within, that means what? God is within? Oh, you mean God and the self are one? Mm. But that's not the personal self, and not the body, and not this mind. It's the true nature of the true nature, the heart of the Atman, right? The Paramatman that is the true nature of Atman, which is the true nature of the conscious mind, if you know what I mean. So, uh put an all around end to deceptiveness and conceit and greed and anger and namarupa so not stuck in view and also not neglecting conduct and eventually having no interest in what could be called bad conduct because there's no irritation uh, but there's not uh, there, there's no nagging uh, dukkha in deep mind and so it concludes. Then Sabia the Wanderer, delighting in and approving of the Blessed One's words, gratified, joyful, exultant, enraptured, and happy, got up from his seat and, arranging his upper robe over his shoulder, and placing his hands palm to palm over his heart toward the Blessed One, praised the Blessed One face to face with fitting verses. And these are the uh, many concluding verses that also um, give some interesting teaching let me see the time alright he says and I'll read the whole thing then break it down one deeply discerning you have crossed over the flood of darkness of the three and sixty views leading downward dependent on the teachings of contemplatives dependent on perceptions and words of perceptions meaning crossed over the flood of the darkness of the three hundred and uh, 60 views that lead downward that depend on teachings and perceptions and words of perceptions right that's the point all that's knocked out and all of that is seen as empty too right so the views the 360 views which is sort of full spectrum right all around the whole circle 360 degrees and that's in many ways um Based on the polarity of eternalism nihilism, which is affirmation negation, meaning there are philosophical views of eternalism and then nihilism, and the first uh, banks on affirmation and the latter banks on negation. Yet negation is affirmation too, it's an affirmation of a negation, of course. So the nihilists are not real nihilists. (laughs) <laughs> Only the Taoist is a nihilist. Changsu was a nihilist, uh, but in the best sense of the word, meaning, he said, "I don't know. Am I a butterfly dreaming I'm Changsu, or am I Changsu having last night a dream that I was a butterfly? I don't know. Right, I don't know. How can we know? Right. So that's a free mind, I'd say. But um, three and sixty views, sixty-three, three and sixty, sixty-three views, three hundred and sixty. I don't know." maybe 3 and 6 maybe 63 i guess it's 63 leading downward depending on their teachings and their perceptions and their words going on you have gone to the end you have gone to the further shore of suffering and stress you are a noble one rightly self awakened i would imagine that you have ended the effluence brilliant thoughtful of abundant discernment buddhi ender of suffering you have brought me across. Actually, he just brought him to see his view is correct. When you learned of my doubt, you brought me across my uncertainty. Homage to you, sage, attain to the attainment of sagacity's ways. Right? Of uh, body, mind, spirit, or <laughs> we can say thought, thought word, indeed, the ways of sagacity or wisdom. Free from rigidity, kinsman of the sun, you're composed The doubt I had before you have answered, one with eyes. Yes, you are a sage, rightly self-awakened. You have no hindrances. Your despairs are fallen down, cut from the stem, cooled, attained to self-control, steadfast, enduring in truth. In your words, Naga of Nagas, great hero, Mahavira, all Devas, including Narada's and Pavatas delight. These are higher devas that, that like wisdom also. Homage to you, O thorough, thoroughbred. He's always using many of the terms that he had asked about before, many of the 20 questions with appellations or definitions of the completed one uh, being reviewed or brought out again here in his conclusion. Homage to you, O thoroughbred man, Homage to you, O superlative man, in the world with its devas, there's no one to compare with you. Right, because he's finished with the 31 planes. You, awakened. You, teacher. You, sage who has conquered Mara, the ten armies, uh, lower to higher. You, having cut obsessions, having crossed over, bring this generation across, please. Your acquisitions transcended, Your effluence torn apart. You are a lion free of clinging. Your fear and terror abandoned. Right? The last annihilatory dread at the end already gone. As a lovely lotus is not smeared by water, you are not smeared by good or evil. Not smeared by good. Extend your feet, hero. Sabia venerates them, the feet of the teacher. And so... He made a big veneration there. And there was a previous matter, note 20, before we end, uh, he's called the wanderer attained to attainment. Note 20, Tanasaro indicates that the verse contains an alliteration, meaning words that sound similar, similar vowels or consonants, between Pariba Jayavita and Pariba Jaka. Paribha Jaka, Paribha Jai Um Avoiding and wanderer. <laughs> so, the one that rightly avoids is a wanderer. And for all, those of us who are wanderers here, um, it's good to make sure we know what to avoid. And this is um, two forms, uh, two of the four forms of right, ex- right effort or right exertion. Sama Padana. Um, whether it's called right effort or right exertion doesn't matter really to me but the first two are what to avoid and what to end the next two are what to acquire and what to develop so we avoid and uh, let go of eventually the harmful and acquire and cultivate the harm the, the helpful harm last so uh... The Wanderer, especially Wanderers, and in fact, this is the same kind of thing written in um, I jing Chinese Book of uh, Divination or Book of Changes. There's a hexagram called The Wanderer, Lu, uh, 56 or 55, maybe 56. 55 is Abundance, 55, 56 is Wanderer, maybe. And it, part of the teaching there was um, the Wanderer, one who has few friends, <laughs> he is the Wanderer, And the wanderer should be careful uh, where one goes because one is not with a lot of friends. And one doesn't have much support, like a stranger in a strange land. We are strangers in a strange land in an alien culture, this human earth human alien culture, where they don't seem to know the difference between virtue and vice, or helpful and harmful, or truth and deception. Uh, and plus and minus and (laughs) up and down and right and wrong um, and they think they're right in their amorality or their thoughtlessness uh, we should be careful and the wanderer rightly avoids um, particularly avoiding what's harmful and recognizing when we've internalized the harmful to work to balance and heal to release balance and heal to release healing and balance to release the harmful as the second of the four forms of right exertion so if it's harmful uh try not to do it <laughs> right you know a wrong speech wrong action uh wrong decision bad decision uh, try not to make bad choices and when we've made a bad choice or we've made a choice that leads to a harmful consequence or we find ourselves with some problem, particularly people, place, and work, uh, who's with us, and where we are physically, locationally, and what we're doing daily, uh, or our habits, or our health, uh, we really just you know have to recognize uh, I'm responsible for I'm co- responsible for co-creating these painful circumstances uh, and relations and uh, conditions, and I can make improvement and then move to avoid what's harmful so just an interesting (laughs) uh, alliteration between words uh, that that are translated as avoiding and the other word for uh, wanderer paribhajaka paribhajaka so uh, right avoidance is important especially today then um See if there's anything else I want to put here. Uh, I think we, we got it all there. Um it is just interesting that um after a lot of praising, close to the end of the praise veneration, he said, Your fear and terror abandoned. What? <laughs> eh? where's his fear and terror? We're talking about a guy who's a conqueror and a naga and um, great discernment and no one can compare, crossed over the generation, crossed over the the ocean and cut obsessions and a lion and all that. Then it even says your fear and terror abandoned because at the root um, there is the terror of losing false identity or losing myself or being destroyed. And after that he finally says you're not smeared by good or evil neither attached to neither good nor evil not attached so good is the rightful um, remedy for bad or harmful but the rightful remedy for attachment to good is realization of emptiness and um, suchness Right? sunyata to tatata meaning uh, good is relatively good And, um, the one that's truly virtuous really doesn't think I am truly virtuous, you know, like politicians (laughs) (laughs) claim to be so virtuous, yet they can't even help themselves. And they, in positions of much responsibility, uh, can help nearly no one. It's really quite an upside down situation in this world. The alien planet Earth, the alien society of Terrans, um, led by (laughs) liars, hypocrites, fools, perverts, (laughs) deranged, damaged minds, ugly souls, um, whose words um, mean nothing or are normally reversal or inversion of an underlying truth. So it's a serious matter here. Um, But good is relative to evil, and both are relative... Um, of relative value, their upaya, um, better to be in the way of virtue than non, of course, on the positive path. Uh, meanwhile, um, one couldn't realize one can realize that uh, in many ways love is simply the freedom uh, is a demonstration of freedom from control and deception. And so, virtue is uh, shila and uh, tatata are not different. <laughs> uh, suchness in action becomes virtue or shila. You know, there is non-dual goodness, and there's dual goodness. There's uh, conceptualized, uh, designated goodness and virtue, and that's the problem. It's good. It's useful. It's relatively help. It's relatively true. And quite helpful to get out of evil or negativity or harm and then later one must go beyond that uh, to um, not not a way of harm (laughs) of course not but um like like ross said that uh, service to others is automatic at the energy released by the meeting of the upward and the downward um, spirals meaning the north pole, south pole. South pole, root of the crown. North pole, uh, Sahasrara, Seven chakra. The kundalini or the energy circuit from root to crown. When they meet behind six chak- chakra, meaning chakras one through six are, well de- are cleared and then well developed sufficiently. So that kundalini uh, naturally goes to uh, ajna chakra, ajna chakra, meaning six chakra. The energy released by that contact or the the halo in the head, the, the, the crown um, touched by Kundalini clear all the way up to sixth chakra. That the energy released at that contact um, is of service to others automatically. The service is automatic at the energy liberated by that meeting place behind the sixth chakra or sixth chakra meeting place. Meaning in unified consciousness or unity awareness, awareness of unity, non-duality service others is automatic. Meanwhile, there's no sense of self and other at that point. So, um, the way of s- saving all beings is, is the realization and the knowing that there are no beings that need to be saved. Something like that. The greatest virtue is non-duality. Like that. Then, finally, I may not even do a whole hour here. How about that? Back to Robert Chalmers' 1898, um, Journal of the Royal Asiatic Society. So there were some good things happening there. uh, Late 19th century, UK. Um, He translates. Some of these guys had a lot of morals, a lot of um, a lot of virtue. He translates one of Gautama's um, statements, where he's basically saying that while Gautama used the term Tathagata for himself. He didn't exclude its use from the bhikkhu or the monks attaining arahant or ar, ar, nirvana. The, the attainment is the same, but the Tathagata really is the one that proclaims the four noble truths. And the bhikkhus who are monks who attain arahant, who got to nirvana and finished the work, their attainment is comparable to his, but their function is different. He's, they're not Buddhas. They are arahant's and the Buddha comes into a world only periodically, and the arahants are many, and the Buddha, uh, Buddhas are few. But um, he said, and I wrote this la- read this last time, it's a translation from where it was Majima Nikaya, but I can't find because his labeling is strange, 1, 140, I'm not sure. I read it before, but it's worth reading again. Gautama said, or translation from Chalmers, concerning such a mentally emancipated bhikkhu, brethren, not even the highest of devatas or devas, can ascertain where resides the Tathakata's mind. Meaning, uh, well, I'll I'll read it all through. Concerning such a mentally emancipated bhikkhu, meaning any of them, brethren, brothers, not even the highest of the devas, can ascertain where resides the Tathagata's mind, the mind of that bhikkhu as well as Buddha. And why? Because even in this present life, here and now, meaning in a body, the Tathagata, as I affirm, is the one who cannot be traced out, like birds' path in the sky. When I say this, and when I affirm this, certain persons falsely assert that I am an nihilist, and preach the extirpation, means destruction, the destruction and the annihilation of an exis- of an existent creature. I am no nihilist. I do not preach such extirpation and annihilation. As in the past, so now too, all that I expound is dukkha and the cessation of dukkha. That's it. Uh, I teach dukkha and the way to the end of dukkha. I'm not a nihilist. I am not talking about some final destruction of anything because you see if you if you're not if you're neither an if you're not an eternalist you're not a nihilist if you don't uh, believe in affirmation you don't have to do a negation <laughs> so the nihilists are negationists in the, in that they say there is no soul there is no god there's no heaven there's no afterlife there's nothing but the physical world here and now that's an affirmation, uh, based on their, based on their non-perception, <laughs> based on the lack of proof or perception of anything beyond the physical. That's it. Uh, at a certain philosophical level, um, it depends on affirmation. Meaning, you say there. The, the nihilist says you say there's a soul and an afterlife and higher dimensionalities and i say there isn't because i haven't seen one <laughs> and i know the ba- i know the answer right i know because i'm intellectual <laughs> i i'm a human who went to college and i have a degree in philosophy so i know that what i can't see does not exist but even that presumes that there um that the affirmation that he's negating uh has some existence so Uh, to say there is a soul to say there is not a soul are both um, mistaken and so Madhyamaka, middle way between um, wrong assertion or or intrinsically intrinsically empty assertion intrinsically empty negation that's why Gautama is saying I'm not a nihilist I don't say there's a destruction of soul because I don't say there is a soul I don't say there's a self to be destroyed and I don't say there's a destruction of that which I've affirmed uh, as a self or a soul. I don't say any of that. I don't go to any of that. I'm uh, not interested in theory. All the kathagatas teach is suffering and uh, dukkha and the end of dukkha. And so this is um, freedom from view, freedom from reification, freedom from believing that your thoughts... um, that thought refers to the true nature of that which is being considered. The true nature of all that's being considered is beyond thought, beyond perception, beyond the physical world. It is and it is not. Or it is and it's also more than is. (laughs) Or uh, it's an is that cannot be defined. And that's why these guys talk about essence and noumena Uh, versus phenomena they're trying to find words for that which is not only formless but non-affirmatory non-affirmable so they're affirming the basis for appearance Uh, like the metaphysical but you see the whole system is built out of light so eventually the whole thing is seen as an illusion raw talks about the concept of light the illusion of limits so um Finally, at the end of the page, let me just see something. Yeah, a couple more points from Chalmers. Uh, On the page 111, or section 3, I guess, Chalmers said, Tatakata, in my opinion, is derived from the adjective Tata and Agata means one who has come at the real truth. Hence, in the Mahaparinibbana, great um, final nirvana, Uh, Ajatasattu argues from the etymology when he says, this is one of the monks, (coughs) um, what did he say? Uh, For no untrue word is spoken by the truth winners. (laughs) Okay. So, that's where he got uh, truth as uh, tata or tatagata. Tata arrived at truth is the truth of, of suchness or as it isness or reality, uh, free reality that is inconceivable, inconceivable reality. And that's where there's the freedom from attachment to view as well as good and evil. So then, um, the final some of the final words here the last two paragraphs from Chalmers he said I have said above that even the Buddha himself did not deny the title of Tathagata to an Arahant for this I think a good reason can be given apart from pre-Buddhist use of the term to denote a saint who had won emancipation of mind there was some pre-Buddhist use I guess that reason is that arahatship was the supreme goal of Gautama's buddhiyum tad anuttaram brahmacharya paryasanam This supreme goal every arahat had to win by his own thought and effort is precisely in precisely the same manner of the Buddha, meaning the goal is the same for the arahant and the Buddha. The arahant doesn't come to preach the Four Noble Truths or Dukkha and cessation of Dukkha, but their uh, their arrival, their attainment of attainment attaining of attainment, their gnosis, their liberation is the same. Meaning they're all of a density. <laughs> I would say. Uh, and so at the end, Chalmers, page one fifteen writes, consequently, it is not without significance that the very first title assumed by the new Buddha was not Buddha, meaning the right true Buddha, Buddha, but Tathagata. That was the very first title. Nor is it, perhaps, a mere coincidence, that in the Sutta of the Great Decease, I guess that's how he's calling Parinibbana, the now-aged Buddha assumes the same title with markedly greater frequency than elsewhere. The same title meaning um, Tathagata, while the writer or editor of the sutta, meaning whoever compiled it or memorized it and had it written on the palm leaves, in recording the Buddha's dying words says, Ayam tasa This was the last word, uh, not of the Buddha, but of the Tathagata, the truth winner. So, the last word, uh, Ayam tatagata Tassa Tathagata 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 Tassa gatasa Tagatasama pakima vakcha this was the last word of the Tathagata. so that was understood. then he concludes it would almost seem as though alike at the dawn and at the close of his Buddhahood or his teaching career, the Buddha, with a shrewd foreboding of Mahayana heresies to be, was sedulous which is actually um, diligent, uh, persistently diligent, was sedulous to select a title which should exalt not Buddhahood, but arahatship, meaning arahantship. And then the term is tumhehi kicham attapam akataro tathagata. Uh, The struggle must be your own. Those who have won the truth can but point the way. And there are different translations of that phrase. But um, the struggle, the work is your own. And that those who have won or those who have achieved or those who know can simply point the way. They simply, teaching and teachers at best, simply uh, point the way to the final attainment and the greater attainments that that, that only we ourselves can achieve and non-duality doesn't um neglect doesn't neglect um the good conduct in the worlds of duality or <laughs> in relationship. And so the Buddha at the end there it's a very it's a uh, good catch on Chama's part I think that at the end or in there in the Mahapari Bitt Nibbana Sutta Gautama is talking about the value of Tathagata not only as himself but as the attainment of the Arahan because he had used it for them as well saying that that's where where they are too. Um, Buddha Buddhas come rarely to worlds. Uh, Arahan can be achieved uh, in any world at any time <clears throat> and it's not that he wanted to focus on himself at the end but say, you got to do it yourself um, and um the last words, one of some of the—I don't know if I can find it here—but the some of the, the the critical phrase in this sutta that I might get into later is this uh, term. Where is it? Vayadama samkara apamade uh, uh, apha, apamadena sampadeta. Vayadama samkara, apamadena sampadeta, which is critical. Vayadema <laughs> Sankara so all uh, all dhammas, nama rupa, all aspects of experience, uh, body and feelings and perceptions and thoughts, and memory and image and consciousness and awareness, subjectivity itself, all that is samkara. It's fashioned. It's impermanent. It's uh, dissolving, decaying. Uh, apama dena sampada. De uh, work out your diligence <laughs> strongly. Uh, it's sometimes it's translated in many ways. Decay is inherent in all component things. Work out your salvation with diligence. That's his translation of the last word of tadagata. So decay is inherent in all component things. That's <laughs> the long way of saying vayadhamma samkara. Uh, vaya, Dhamma Sankara. So Vaya, I'm not sure Vaya, but Dama is all uh, things and objects and entities and data, all that all that ca- is uh, apparently existent I- is impermanent, is decaying, is falling apart, and conditioned and composite. So that's why Gautama is not uh, attached to view in theory. So that'll be it for uh, the reading of Sabhya Sutta. And, um, as usual, the commentary is great. And, uh, I guess I will, next time we'll go to the next Sutta down the line. let me see where we are. This is a Sela, Sela Sutta, Sela the Brahmin praises the Buddha to see how the latter responds to praise it's a long sutta with a number of footnotes so it'll take a while uh, and I think I want to read again one of the <laughs> what, something from last time note 5 Savya Sutta from uh, Teragata one eleven or Teragata fourteen one. the arahan said I don't delight in death, don't delight in living I await my time as a worker his wage. I don't delight in death. I don't delight in living. I await my time, mindful, alert. And um, for wanderers in this alien culture, um, that may be useful teaching. And so it's not about you know don't delight in death, don't delight in living. Also means don't despise death and don't despise living. So live without. Um, folly or loathing (laughs) and approach impermanence and the passing out of this world neither with fear nor loathing as well nor nor um you know this sense of i i need to get out of here at once if you feel it you feel it but we're here we're intended to be here for as long as um as long as it's, uh, as long as we keep breathing. (laughs) And so, um, we just need to do our best, and that's enough, I think. So, I hope this was helpful. Uh, We will continue on with Sela Sutta next week. And so, please take good care of yourselves, as always, and good night.